Welcome to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss return to work strategies, advice, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, CEO and co founder of iRelaunch, and your host. And today's guest is Carrie Ann Carter. Carrie Ann Carter is the CEO of Hope and Comfort, a Massachusetts based nonprofit working to end hygiene insecurity. Hygiene insecurity refers to situations in which people cannot afford basic hygiene products, such as soap, toothpaste, deodorant, and shampoo. We're gonna to talk to Carrie about her amazing career path, and which began in the private sector and moved on to nonprofit, the nonprofit world. But I wanna focus on her rise at Staples, where she returned to, it was her original employer, after a six-year career break and her subsequent moving up the ranks over a 15-year period. And she can talk to us about her career progression after that. But Carrie, we're excited to speak with you and welcome to our iRelaunch video series. Thank you so much, Carol. I'm really excited to talk with you today and share my story in the hopes that maybe somebody might get an idea from what I'm talking about today that will help him or her. Yes. And, you know, we, you're such an example of the uh, potential for relaunchers once you're back in the workforce and our demographic, our population, we're known for being high caliber and people who are mid-career, who are poised and ready to move up in an organization once we come back in. So I want to get more details from you about this and want to spend most of our time talking about your career progression since the time of when you relaunched at Staples after um, the six-year career break, understanding that you had um, a number of years before that at Staples. So maybe you can please start there um, and tell us a little bit about what happened in the first few years after you relaunched. Sure, I'd love to. So set a little bit of um, background and context for you. I worked at Staples um, prior to my career break. I was the director of strategy and integration as my first role there um, and ended up right before taking the career break as being a director of um, uh, marketing and also director of merchandising. So a couple of different roles uh, prior to that. Sorry, and there was also one other one. I was another director of operations. So about over a six-year period, I had three different roles. Um, and then I went on my career break. For, for me, the career break centered around um, my family. Um, I had uh, a daughter um, at the time who was 18 months old, and then I had twin boys who were born. So with three, we had a crazy house wow. um, at the time with uh, three little ones. And decided to take a career break because it was the right thing for our family to do at that time. To get back to your original question, I came back about six years later, full time to Staples. And I was on the business to business side of Staples. So not the retail side, but the business to business side. And when I left, I was in a director role. And when I came back, this is, might be an interesting of interest to folks. I actually came back at the vice president level. Um, I was hired to be the VP of e-commerce. And um, the reason why I was hired, I think, is over the course of that six years, I had kept in close touch with the contacts that I had at Staples 
done some part-time consulting work, you know, at night when the kids are in bed or period of time when I, one summer I hired a babysitter and and did a a short three-month project for them. So I I kept my hand in the game, so to speak, and kept up my connections. I kept up my reading on the industry. Um, I remember, you know, this is a long time ago, so digital wasn't as big as it was today. Um, But I, you know, I had an HBR subscription that I would make sure that I read that. If there was any pertinent articles for my contacts, um, you know, I would send those on to them. So I kept my hand in the game and kept my contacts up. And some of the key people that um, I stayed connected with, one of those people was the person who hired me when he had this open role as VP of e-commerce. And he thought, well, I didn't have direct experience in um, e-commerce. I had a lot of transferable skills in terms of how I thought about big problems and thought about how to scale things and was able to bring disparate teams together collaboratively, which is what that role at the time required. Um, So I came back as vice president of e-commerce, which is a really cool job. Um, Love that job. Again, this is a while ago. At at the time, Staples was one of the top five e-commerce companies in the country. And my job, as I said, was to sort of be this person who brought groups together. So um, I was working with the tech side of our business and the business side of our business to make sure that the business goals were achieved through the, the skill set of the tech people. Um, so that's what I'm talking about when I talk about transferable skills. And I think that's something that's important for um, relaunchers to think about. Yes. Um, sure. So um, that was that was my re-entry job back as yeah. e-commerce. I, you know, so I think it's it, it's uh, really instructive for people that as during your career break, you did a project or you did part-time work and you did it for Staples. You did it yes. for the company that you were ultimately returning to. And I'm guessing that that was a big contributing factor to them bringing you in at a higher level than where you had left off um, after a six-year period, given that the last two years of the, that six-year period, you were you were doing this work for them. So um, I was that a long conversation? Was that a negotiation or how did that happen? Well, you know, I, I, as you probably find out that you, most people end up getting their roles through some connection somehow. Yes. In my experience, it's rare that you can go onto a, you know, a job site and, and just cold, coldly get, get a, a role. Um, so it was a huge, huge part of why I was able to go back was maintaining those connections. And was it a long conversation? No, it was um, the person that I had been in touch with very consistently over the course of those six years. I had done that three months project for him. Mm-hmm. I had, before I left, I didn't work for him directly, um, but I worked for him indirectly and I made sure to do a lot of things to help him out um, because he was a really important person to our organization and helping him out would make us better. Um, and it ended up being one of the, frankly, I didn't do it for selfish reasons, but it ended up being one of the best career moves I ever did. I was just trying to help out somebody who was important to us um, as a company. So it was that particular person who picked up the phone one day. He called me wow. and said, I think it's time for you to come back to work full time. The boys are going to full 
time to kindergarten now, right? Um, they're in full days. And I said, yeah, they are. And I actually am thinking about this. He said, I have the perfect girl for you. So um, it fell into, I got lucky. It fell into my lap. So on the one hand, I got lucky. On the other hand, there was a conscious intent to, to keep up those connections and to, to keep my hand in the game. Yeah, really, really good, um, good lessons for people in a very unusual situation. Um, Carrie, was there any period of time that you felt that I'm, I'm really back, like I'm, I'm back to where I was even before I left? Um, or did that take a while? Or did it never even occur to you as a milestone? It never even occurred to me. Um, like I, I never thought of, I guess I didn't really think of it so much as I was gone and then I was back because I was so involved in my daily life. Right. <laughs> um, I'm trying to just make, make the Carter family move forward and we all stayed alive, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of little bodies running around at that time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I felt like I was back on day one, on day one. And it wasn't like I felt like I was a relauncher. It was that I was in a new situation with a new job. Luckily for me, it was at a, a place where I didn't have to have 100% new learning, like where's the bathroom mm -hmm. and where's the cafeteria? That's, mm -hmm. that's helpful. Um, so, yeah, I felt like I was back on day one um, and in a new job and all the things that a new job entails. So I, you know, over the course of my career, I've had probably at Staples alone, I probably had 12 different jobs over the course of that time period I was there. And I've had others as well. You know, when you start a new job, it's anxiety ridden, no matter who you are or what the job is, whether you're a relauncher or you're someone who's just not, I shouldn't say just in the same organization and taking on a new role. There's yeah. always that level of maybe anxiety isn't the right word, but nervousness that goes yeah, with it. Sure. Um, I remember myself when I was uh, back uh, after my 11 year career break, I was working um, in a, an investment firm, felt the same way. Yeah. Um, well, actually, there th your comments made me think about, um, you know, that you had all those jobs over a period of time. I'm really interested and I'm really interested in having our audience hear about um, your first promotion and how your career, it seemed to move so fast. Um, how did you navigate that rise um, through the ranks and were there any milestone moments or um, maybe just re recall for us what, what jumps out um, in your mind? Sure. Well, the first promotion, as I said, was the one where I actually came back. Right. So right. that was moving exactly. from the director level to the VP level. And that was a really big deal at, at that company because um, it's, it's very thin in terms of the hierarchy. There's the CEO, the uh, senior VP and VP level at that time. That's how it was structured. Right. Um, and there were some different, you know, a couple different levels within the VP level, but that was a big deal um, to, to get to that, to that first advancement of the first level of VP. And I, I think, you know, what was behind that was, like I said, the ability to have transferable skills for the problem at hand. Um, I think that's an important thing to keep in mind is that people are hiring for whatever challenge at hand they have. Um, whether that's, and it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have direct experience doing a particular thing. You might need to have experience like I had at the time, which was bringing people together and being um, 
thoughtful about sequencing and planning of events to get to a certain outcome. That's what was important at that time. So that was my first promotion. And then, um, like I said, I had several different roles after that. And the impetus behind that was um, I was someone who could morph and change and adapt and listen and learn fast and willing to take risks and chances. Um, so I was in the VP of e-commerce role for two and a half ish years approaching on three years. And then the, the, a big milestone after that, you mentioned what are some milestones yeah. was, um, we were in the midst, we staples at the time were in the midst of acquiring a company called corporate express and corporate express was going to be our first, like, huge acquisition. This is a $4 billion um, acquisition. It had 8,000 employees across two continents, eight countries. Um, and I was on the due diligence team, um, you know, looking at, at that. And because prior to my career break, one of the roles I had was director of strategy and acquisition integration. Um, I was asked to put together my thoughts on integration for this mega acquisition. Hmm. Um, and we had done regional acquisitions, you know, and anything from 5 million on the small size to, I think the largest one at the time was 120 million. So I worked on those, um, as my first role there. So I remember thinking at the time when I was putting together my thoughts, it, this feeling kept coming to me like, I don't want anyone else to have this role of integrating. There's nobody else that has the experience that I have and the willingness to, um, you know, also figure it out with different people. And I just started getting this feeling of, I don't want anyone else to have this job. I want whatever this next job is going to be. And I ended up getting VP of integration role. And a milestone moment was, um, I remember standing in the, uh, in the office of the CEO at the time, and he had called together um, a small group of us who had been big players in the due diligence of that deal. And it was, you know, late in the day and the word came through that it was going to go through and he called us together and, you know, we we're all in our, our jeans and t-shirts at the time and, and just, you know, had a, a toast to, hey, this thing's going to really happen. And this is, this is going to change the course of our company. And it ended up very much doing that. Um, and I ended up, you know, for a period of time, uh, reporting to the CEO on that. So I did that next role for about two years, um, first just focused on the U.S. and then also had Europe um, as, as part of that. So that was a milestone moment. And then my progression after that um, was another milestone moment. Again, you know, keeping an open mind um, and and. Really being someone that um, goes out of his or her way, I think is important for people to help other people because then you're forefront in others' minds. Like, oh, I want I want that person to be on my team next. Um, so an opportunity again dropped into my lap after almost three years of doing the acquisition integration stuff. It took a lot of time to integrate, you know, huge companies. Um, I had someone call me up and say, hey, I have an opening and I think you might be a great fit. Can we go talk? Like everything, the only one that I actually 
thought about, I really want this was that VP of acquisition integration. And then when I said I wanted it, it was available to me. Um, But the other ones were people approaching me um, saying, hey, we have this challenge, this problem. Think you might be a good person to help the company out by taking it on. Wow. Well, that's pretty amazing. And I'm guessing, you know, you're not saying this, but obviously you were putting in a superstar performance and had been identified as someone who they wanted to be in a position of, you know, leadership in the company um, over time. And I just really love the idea that uh, you planted those seeds pre-career break, and then you had that connection, and then the um, just the arc of what happened afterward is this this pattern of people um, coming to you to ask if you want to have the next highest role. So that's that's pretty outstanding, Carrie. And oh, I just well. want to say congratulations, and also point out to our employers who might be listening about. Um, this particular story of career progression and what it looks like when a relauncher is back at work for a number of years. So um, thank you for walking us through that. Um, I want to know what happened uh, at, well, what was the point where you decided you were going to leave Staples and how did you make that decision and what what did you do next? Um, So my career progression was um, a couple of functional leadership roles, like the e-commerce one and uh, leading the inside sales team. That was a 300-person team, a billion-dollar-ish port sales portfolio. Um, and then after that, I advanced to running um, uh, business units. So the last, my last role there, I was uh, vice president of furniture, and that was running that, you know, having PL responsibility. And running that team, um, which included sales, operations, marketing, merchandising, like, you know, all of that. Um, and I did really love that. I, I love the general management type of role um, and all the different challenges that that encompass. And I had an opportunity to work for a, a company as a CEO. I, I, I left Staples to take on the role of CEO of a a national logistics firm called American Expediting. American Expediting is a fantastic mid-sized company with locations across the U.S., 55 locations across the U.S. And what um, American Expediting specializes in, it's a third-party logistics company that caters to the life sciences and medical communities and really does high-touch delivery. Um, Everything from, you know, Kidneys to we did a lot with the uh, vaccine trials, um, th- those types of things where it requires specialized documentations and, and high touch situations. Um, and for me, it was just a great next step of my career. Wow. And then um, so you you moved into that very top, top role, the, the uh, CEO role. Uh, and subsequent to that, you ended up taking the role that you have now. I want to know if you can tell us a little bit about that transition uh, and your, you moved to the nonprofit sector also and what your thinking was behind that, that transition as well, private sector to um, nonprofit sector. 
Sure. So my think this is this is something that I thought about literally since my first job out of college. I was a sales rep out of college, and I took a role as a as a sales rep because um, I had a lot of loans, and it paid me the most. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had been thinking about doing something where. Um, it was a more direct connection to giving back to my community. I went to Boston College and our um, mantra is uh, men and women for others. So that sort of gets branded into your soul if you go there, which is a good thing. Um, yeah. So I had been thinking about it for a long, long time. Um, and as I was taking a step back and thinking about, okay, what do I want to do next? I'm, I'm in the, you know, I'm in the second half of my life and I'm, Probably in the to take use a sports analogy, I'm a big sports person. The fourth quarter, so to speak, of my career, mm-hmm. um, it's time to do something that I've thought about for a long, long time. So I thought about, you know, what's what's my purpose, and I think of I I, I strive to be a, a servant leader who helps others be their best. And I thought, how can I find something that, that fits that? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I ended up here um, at Hope and Comfort. This is a an organization that um, started 11 years ago. And the founder is just this amazing guy by the name of Jeff Feingold. And he was looking, he, he had a career in the, in the private sector at Fidelity uh, for years, started this, um, and he was looking for someone with experience like I had to scale our organization to, to meet the need that's out there. So that's how I ended up here. It was me looking internally at all right, what do I really want to do? What, what am I passionate about? What am I good at? Where do those two things intersect? Um, and um, can I add value somewhere? Mm-hmm. And we ended up, you know, the universe, I think, was aligned. And I ended up meeting Jeff again on a weird fluke where, you know, we I, I read a newsletter that he was featured in as a CNN hero. And I said, hey, I'm I'm thinking about I'm thinking seriously about going into the nonprofit sector and I'd love to buy you a cup of coffee and learn about, um, you know, how you made the transition and what it's Mm -hmm. meant for you. And this, the story, I I still am amazed. So he graciously said, yes, I came into the office. We ended up talking for two and a half hours at the end of that conversation. He said, you know, um, it's not public yet, but I'm actually working on a, a draft job description for a CEO role because I'm the founder and I recognize that it's time for me to bring in someone with a different set of skills. Are mm-hmm. you interested in continuing our conversation? Wow. Is that another crazy <laughs> thing? But put yourself out there. Yeah. And good things can happen. Yeah, that that's great messaging for our relaunchers, no matter what stage you're at, whether you have not relaunched yet, whether you've been back uh, at work for a number of years and are thinking about the next step. Uh, I, I love that uh, idea and also the example. Uh, so can you talk a little bit more about hope and comfort and what you do as CEO and um, how big the organization is and how you get these critical um hygiene supplies to people who need them and why that's important. I I, I am asking because I had the benefit of watching a video that was very compelling about this, but maybe you can tell us the, the backstory. Sure. 
So what Hope and Comfort does is we provide hygiene products to people who can't afford them or get access to them on a consistent basis. Um, we're based in Massachusetts. And um, just to give you an example of how big this problem is, there are 2 million people in the tiny little state of Massachusetts that have this challenge of not being able to afford hygiene products. And if you think about it, it's, it's, you know, I'll use a phrase that we recently use. It, it's not just toothpaste. It's about health. Mm-hmm. It's not just soap. It's about confidence. It's not just deodorant. It's dignity. So if you get, think about how you started your morning this morning, Carol, uh, I can see you look quite lovely today. <laughs> you probably took a shower. You might've washed your hair. You put on makeup, you brushed your teeth, you put on deodorant. All those things sort of arm you to feel confident and take on the world. You know, the world can be a tough place sometimes. And if you don't feel that um, confidence, it's it's really can be debilitating. I mean, and sometimes it's actually physically debilitating. We hear stories about people with, you know, who have horrible dental health and pain that they wake up with every day um, because they haven't been able to afford toothpaste and toothbrush. Um, We hear stories about children who, um, you know, they don't take their coats off even when it's hot out because they know that they smell and that they're going to be bullied. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just a a terrible thing that, that, that affects. um, I was just yesterday um, at a, a, a school system in South of Boston and she was talking about how kids don't go to school, that the level of truancy, mm-hmm. um, you know, is, is much higher for kids who can't afford these things because they know they're going to be singled out and bullied. So it affects, it affects people's confidence, which affects their, um, you know, their schooling, their education, and affects employment. Um, you know, if somebody is, 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 for lack of another word, unkempt, um, are, are they going to get a serious look by a potential employer? Um, it's really, really challenging. So these things mean so much more than just a, a bar of soap. They really speak to how someone can go out and, and take on the world and live their lives in a way that makes them feel good and contributes to society. So that's what we yeah. do. Carrie, that's amazing. It's an incredible mission of uh, hope and comfort and before we end, I'm going to ask you how uh, to give us information on how people can find out more uh, about Hope and Comfort. But before we do that, I have a couple more questions for you. And one of them is, have you ever had a relauncher working for you? Yes. Right now, as a matter of fact, um, we have a wonderful woman who's very talented, who recently decided to um, come back into the workforce. It's interesting she's, I've been in my role now for two months. Um, she was hired by our founder, Jeff, uh, prior to my starting. And when I heard her story, she's really talented. Uh, I was thrilled to have her. And she was the first phone call I made, um, mm-hmm. which was to say, I'm starting. I'm really excited. And I just want you to know that your part-time, she works part-time, your part-time role is safe. It's appreciated. I'm so excited that we could get a talent like you, um, you know, into an organization that's relatively, that is small, not relatively, it is small and, and you're safe. I'm excited that you're here. 
we're going to do great things together. And I think she felt, uh, and, and by the way, I said to her, I, I know, you know, I have a parallel situation and I respect that. Um, and I'm just super excited. So, I can yeah. only imagine from if if I was the the person you're talking about who was a relauncher back in the organization and having that conversation with you and then finding out that you are, had took a career break yourself and look where you are now that I mean how inspiring can you get so I love that that's good and actually if I can add um, you know I was hired by by Jeff and the board to scale our organization so. The need, again, to give you an idea, the need in Massachusetts is um, we're going to distribute 2 million products this year. Mm. In order to address the total need, we'd have to distribute somewhere between 60 and 70 million. So that's a huge jump. Yeah. That's what we're going to be doing. We're going we're gonna to scale this organization to address that. And the steps between here and there, there's, get, there's going to be a lot of steps. And I foresee that there will be a lot of opportunity to you know, talk to people who may have taken a career break and perhaps don't want to work full time um, or maybe they do um, or maybe they want to work on a contracting basis. There will be in my organization, I see that there will be opportunities for relaunchers. And I, I would encourage um, other any other employers who are, might you know be hearing this to think about it in that way. There's an amazing group of talented people who can help help out in a variety of situations. And for me, we're not ready to have a full, you know, uh, I'll make it a, a full marketing staff or a full operation staff, um, which is a great, could be a great stepping stone for someone who's looking to come back into the workforce and a great way also for employers to, you know, try out a new relationship with someone. Um, yeah. So super That's excited. Fun. Um, and I absolutely will be looking at relaunchers when we look to expand after we complete our strategic plan. Well, I hope relaunchers are listening. Um, and, um, I, you know, you are also demonstrating something that Vivian Rabin and I were envisioning when we wrote back on the career track. Uh, at the end of the book, we had a whole uh, chapter on the future, and one of the elements of what we were envisioning was that there would be not only a critical mass of relaunchers in some organizations, but um, but relaunchers in an organization who would then be interested in hiring more relaunchers to work for them because they know about the caliber of the relauncher pool and could be a lead, a lead leader and a lead manager um, in, in that regard. And here you are uh, yeah. doing that already. So um, so I love that. Carrie, I want to wrap up by asking you a question we ask all of our guests, and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something that we've already talked about today? Great. I'll leave you with two of that. Sorry. Okay. The, the first one is um, take your time and be brave enough to really reflect on what you want to do. Sometimes when people make a decision to get back into the workforce, they might be sort of clutched with, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Who's going to want me? Um, I just got to do anything that presents itself. Um, no, mm -hmm. you don't have to do anything that presents. You should really take do some internal self-reflection 
um, and be brave enough to be, I'll call it quiet with yourself. <laughs> and think about what do you love? Um, what do you love and what are you good at? Where do those things intersect? Because that's going to help you find um, the next role, whatever that might be. Take that time to think about it because you left for some reason that was critically important. And what I thought about myself and what I hear from other people is there's got to be a equal or better compelling reason to come back. So make sure that you take the time to think about what's going to get you out of bed in the morning. So it's not a chore. So you're filled with excitement, joy. That's that's my good advice that I know that's advice. Number one, there's another one coming, but this idea about taking it's it's hard work to take the time to really examine where your interests and skills are now and what you want to do. And that process that you're talking about is the main driver for a relaunch. And it's so important uh, that people start out with that. So thank you for that being advice. Number one, I I think it's hard work and I think it's scary. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. To, to, To like really, you know, be quiet, look inside, turn off the distractions, whether that's like going for walks in the woods or runs or meditating or whatever it is, like it's scary (laughs) having been there, Um, but do it. It's going to be worth it. Um, So the the second piece of advice that I would give is be confident. Mm -hmm. Here's why not you, whoever's listening out there. If you're going to, if you're, you might be thinking, oh, they, should I go for this or not? Or, you know, after you've taken this period of reflection, why not you? Who's better? Like, are there all, have that confidence. You know, you may have not been in paid work for a period of time, but you've certainly been working and evolving as a human being. Um, and you had a set of experiences before you stopped getting paid for the work that you're doing. Um, you may have continued some form of work while you were on a career break or not. Perhaps you were sidelined by a health issue. Um, It could be a variety of reasons. But even if you were sidelined by a health issue, as an example, it did something to your inner psyche and core that helped you evolve. Like, why not you? Be confident when you go after this. We have a huge dearth of talent and um, enthusiasm out there and there's a labor shortage still why not you be confident and go for it reach reach out to you know what whatever you're thinking about if somebody's listening right now and you're thinking should i reach out to that person like i didn't know if jeff was going to say yes to my i never met him to my note about having coffee why not reach out mm-hmm. why not you that's my last piece of advice oh, i love that i love ending on that note um, Carrie, before we um, say goodbye, I want to know if you can tell our listeners how they can find out more about Hope and Comfort. Is there a website or some other place that they can go? Yes, there is. They can go to our website, which is hopeandcomfort.org. Is it Hope and Comfort, the word and comfort? Yes. Okay. The word and is spelled out. Thank you for clarifying that. Okay, great. All right, Carrie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me, Carol. Good luck to everyone out there. You're going to be great. Yeah. Take care. Love it. 
Thanks for listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss return to work strategies, advice, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the CEO and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host. I want to remind our listeners who are actively relaunching to make sure to register and upload your resume to our iRelaunch job board. Employers looking to hire relaunchers regularly peruse our job board for candidates for their career reentry jobs and programs. And be sure to visit iRelaunch.com to access our many return to work tools and resources and to sign up for our mailing list so you can receive our weekly return to work report featuring career reentry jobs and programs. Thanks for joining us. 